copy, shift box. I got radio check. Yeah, radio is working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. The chair in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up there, thanks, mate. Yeah, right, hey, copy that. We're on. This is a lot cooler than where we used to hang out for extended periods, bud. <laughs> Up in the Pilbara. <laughs> Definitely is, yes. Yeah. A lot cooler. Yes. Well done. If people need a bit of context, bud, bud was one of my... Uh, it took me under his wing as a know-it-all young person when he was the uh, the god jump operator at the famous Paulson's gold mine. And that feel like an eternity ago, bud. Yeah, well, it is a long time ago. It's but a good wasn't years. That? Talk about what a mind site or what a job you had for to get to this stage today. It had a very important role, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Um, obviously, you've been in mining a long time. <clears throat> so, um, you know, spending a long time as a jumbo operator and, um, you know, getting to know the mine in and out, like it's played a big part in actually, you know, seeing a gap in the market and, and working out, coming up with an idea and, and how we can fill that gap with some technology. Big journey. We're going to get into it today. So for mate, for people that don't know you, which I'm sure there's not many, just give a bit of a spiel. Introduce yourself and the uh, the company Live Mind, what it's all about, and then we're going to get into, I guess, you a bit of your bit of your backstory, how the idea came about, and challenges and everything along the way to get it to where it is today in this beautiful uh, West Perth office. Sure. So <laughs> my name is Bud O'Shennessy, uh, MD of. Uh, Live Mind at the moment, Live Mind Solutions. So it's a company that um, I started with my co-founder Brendan Parker. Started from scratch. My first engineering mentor. Shout out to BJ. Thanks. <laughs> another another bloke that took me under his wing as a snotty-nosed young kid. A couple of good blokes. Um, yeah. So you know, been in the mining industry for a long time. So really had my first experience in underground when I was sixteen. To be honest with you, and illegally in uh, Lightning Ridge, in New South Wales. So worked with one of my uncles. Um, not the type of mining we do today it was uh, rickshaw and shovel and jackhammer. So opal mining. Opal it? mining, yep. yeah. So sink the shaft. No induction. No induction. No training. <laughs> just uh, straight in, straight into it. So you know, get down, sink your shaft, find your level, pick it out, get enough room to put your hoist in, um, start set, set your drive up, and we actually used a a broom handle across the top of the shaft for a direction. So we'd just put a broom handle with the direction we'd want to go and look up the shaft <laughs> yeah. and say, we're going that way. And that's how we'd set it up. So- So opal mine, it's like a bed of, there's flat line thing. That's right, yeah. yeah. So more opals, it's 65 million years old. So it's same, same age as a dinosaur. So there's a lot of fossilized stuff in it. It's old rainforest that's, um, you know, been, had a lot of heat put to it and, and mineralized. Sounding like a geo. Um, <laughs> You've been hanging around this tech world too long, <laughs> technical world too long. What happened to the butt on you that used to throw rocks at things if it's, they didn't it's work? Still the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, then um, I did that for five years, and in the process, almost died when I was twenty. Um, got my arm caught in the skip and got dragged up the shaft, Oof. which was was pretty gnarly. Um, and and I got a lot of lessons from that as well. So you know, I had to pull my head in in terms of safety, what we used to do, and started doing things a lot safer so maybe that incident saved my life um because yeah we were getting out of control my cousin and i um how old were you when that happened i was i was 20. 20 so 20 yep. and bulletproof and yeah wouldn't have even thought of uh preserving your safety in any no, way no but when you when you're one minute you're at work and next minute you're in um westmead hospital 
you know, and going into surgery, it's, it's a big shock to the system and, and that, it really does teach you some lessons about safety. Uh, it was one of my biggest lessons, to be honest with you. Mm. No, not many people get a lesson <laughs> and get to... Get to survive it. <laughs> get to survive yeah, it, really. Yeah, Especially when, you you know, you can get your arm caught in a piece of machinery and you can hear your flesh tearing and Ugh. and it just, you don't know, you can't get out of it. It's just the machine's, you know, obviously a lot stronger than we are and just grabs hold of you and, and um, has its way with you, basically. Mm. Um, so I got out of that and I had a bit of a break and then got back into hard rock mining. So I went to, um, in over in New South Wales and from there just progressed through the ranks pretty quickly and ended up on a jumbo when I was quite young as well. Um, and then just came over to WA in 2001 and, and, you know, I've had a, had a great time since I've been over here. How, how old did you get on the jumbo? I was just about 25, so 20, 24. Pretty young. Must be something in your family. Your cousin got on it bloody young too, didn't he? <laughs> it's all about timing. Yeah, yeah. And work ethic. Isn't it? So what was it like moving over here? No, no, pe not many people you knew, no family, no nothing, pretty much soloed it over to WA. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a big move, but it was something I wanted to do. I wanted to, because I worked with a bunch of guys from WA and they're always talking about, um, you know, WA, you know, mining in WA, and we used to do this, and so I just wanted to go and have a crack. And I'd, I'd actually WA never, syndrome, I think they call it. Yeah. Actually, never been on a plane before that either. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the first time I've been on a plane. It's so, not even the Westmead Hospital. Oh, besides that one, oh, yeah. yeah, that was Royal Flying Doctors. Um, yeah, so I, I ran out in the tarmac and, and jumped on the plane and. And came over here and it was the guy I met, Plummy, um, from New South Wales, who sort of took me under his wing and gave me somewhere to stay. And that was at Bronzeming. And we just had the best time there. It was, um, you know, it was a place we worked, but it was also an institution. We, we were really close, um, really close culture there. And everyone was, you know, look after each other. And, you know, back then, everyone was so proud to work in the mining industry. We were all just like, it wasn't easy. The gold was $300 an ounce. Mm. So um, we're all just really appreciated the job and looked after each other. So that was the culture that I, you know, I came through the ranks in in, in mining. So what was um, Bud in his uh, Bud back in his mid to late twenties business wise? Well, I guess what were your aspirations then? Were you just like, oh, how good's this mine? I want to make a gig of mine. Did you have any? Did you have that? Businessy entrepreneurial thing <coughs> in your head at all or when you were young, or did that evolve over time? No, I definitely did. Um, you know, I always came up with ideas. You know, I used to sell marbles at school. Um, my first job was <laughs> Is that all I hope that's all you sold? <laughs> <laughs> definitely was. You know, my first job as a as a young kid was mowing lawns and I'd get dad's lawnmower and push it to different houses with a whippersnipper on top and and mow lawns. So that was my first job and always had some. I always wanted to work for myself. I've had a couple of cracks of business before, um, live mine as well that that failed, but I, I learned a lot from it as well. There's so many lessons along the way and, you know, I really feel like if I didn't, you know, have those couple of quick failed businesses and I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't be prepared to do live mine like the way I am. What, what were they? Well, if you don't mind sharing. Um, I had a, in the early days, I had a facial and guttering business yeah. in, in Newcastle. Um, and then every time I've got out of mining, I just missed it so much and I just couldn't wait to get back. Um, and then in 2008, I had an excavation business in, in the Gold Coast where I used to, I uh, imported a, a road header for an excavator and um, we sort of found a little niche where I could, I could dig pools in, in very hard rock. Um, and, you know, we were going really well until the GFC hit. 
Mm. Um, but it's hard to stick in your business when you're getting phone calls from people and offering you jobs in mining and for shitloads more. Like <laughs> for shitloads more, yes. And and you know you, you just miss it. So what would you attribute? I guess the business learnings <laughs> early early on. GFC is obviously a big one. Yeah. But what were some of the key takeaways you got out of those? You said use the word failed, but um, business it's, opportunities that didn't go to full time. Yeah. What did you take away from that? To business be? lessons. Oh, you got to be all in. You know, you got you really have to be all in. You have to be prepared. Um, you have to surround yourself with good people. Mm. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to do it alone. I want if next time I wanted to, you know, get a get a partner, a co-founder, and, and do it with somebody else just to share that load. Uh, lucky, you know, with finding BJ, it was uh, you know he he had. The other side of the fence that I didn't, he had more technical ability than I did where I was from the mining background. So, we, you know, we complement each other well. Um, we're, we're from both sides of the fence, which is good. So that's really been a, a good partnership. Um, you know, we, we work really well together. It's, you know, it's, and we're both mining people. So I, I keep saying it, like we're, we're mining people that's introducing technology into the industry. We're not, you know, tech people with no idea about mining trying to introduce some complicated tech into the into the mining industry. You know, traditionally it's slow mining is slow to to move on technology. Very tough workforce. Can if we make their life any harder than, you know, they could make a fail. Um, so it's just about getting, you know, the miners on board, getting the operators on board, um, building something that's easy to use, it's easy to understand. Um, because I am the end user. Like I'm, I'm a miner. Like at, at heart, at essence, I'm, I am a miner, underground miner, and always will be. So, <clears throat> for me to understand it and know, I know what's going to work, and I'll, I'll understand what's going to work and what won't work. And I think you also appreciate the level it needs, level of simplicity it needs to work at, because you know you're not, as you said, you're not from a computer background at all. You need yep. if you you need to be able to use it yourself. As That's right. Minor. I've seen you on a computer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's um, let's fast forward to. Um, I mentioned we, we both worked together at Paulson's, and yep. that was actually before. Um, I, I'm pretty sure this was just before this idea come about in your head. Um, you're a, you're a jumper operator at Paulson's. You went up the management ranks there. When did this little idea? whether it was in this was the idea when did it start sort of coming into your mind coming to uh, like tinkering in your head yeah so i was on night shift at paulson's i was a jump operator at that stage and i just had this idea because i i had the idea because i just i couldn't look at anything and see what i'd done over the last shift or during the shift in real time i couldn't see you know no one could tell me how many bolts or how many meters i drilled in the last last month and i thought there's got to be a better way of getting data in and I knew that I was quite good at doing my plod, and my plod was still pretty shit. And you know, I'd forget a lot of stuff. So um, that was where the idea sprung from. And, and I had the idea and called it Live Mine on the on the first night. Really? Why? Yeah. I just thought that you know I'm talking about having data and being able to view your data in real time, and it needs to be live. So you know, simply just called it Live Mine, and it's still called Live Mine today. Isn't that unreal? And it's good. it rolls. You know, it becomes like a when a brand name becomes a word, you sort of forget the two words. Like it becomes a, a whole word in itself. Yep. Like live mine's its own word now. Yeah. When you break it down of how you come about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I don't know, life of mine's probably not like that. Yeah, it's pretty similar, <laughs> <yet>. actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, there you go. That was the first struggle sorted. Yeah. Figuring out a bloody name for the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then, what did you? What did you have in your head? What did you? What did you want to create at the start? Yeah, I just wanted to create a better way to collect data, and to be able to view the data. I had no idea how. Um, tablet was the first idea, and you know. I, at that stage, there was nothing. I didn't know anything about technology. Um, was, you know, I didn't really know that a tablet would be able to look at a back-end database and pull all that data into it either. Um, Tablets were probably pretty early on then. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I, I knew the concept and I knew what I wanted to do. So um, I got it out of my head and then onto paper. So I just wrote it down because I actually didn't know how to use Word at that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then sort of built a bit of a pitch deck in Word, taught myself Word, built a pitch deck, and then went about- What's a, what's a pitch deck? Pitch deck is you put down your idea, what you think the market size is, all the details of what, what your, your concept is, um, and you know, you know, who, who you think that's going to buy it, and your target market, things like that. Uh, and then pitched it to a couple of companies uh, around Perth, some, some tech companies, and nobody, nobody got back to me, nobody was interested. Um, so that's when I pitched it to Amps um, with with Brendan, and it did take them take took BJ a long time to get back to me as well. And he he got back to me and um, says that you know we, he's got a few ideas as well, and there's probably you know a good opportunity here. We should we should uh, sort of start investigating that, and we did. And we we went about building a product. So we 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 had to go and find uh, somebody to build it. Obviously, we can't write code. So we had to go and find somebody that we we thought would be able to build the app for us the best. So we had to go about building a, a database first. So we, we engaged a um, third-party provider to do that. So, you know, they helped us or they built the – we did all the design work, helped, tried to help them understand mining, which is a very, very difficult. Um, they did all the design work – or we did design. We designed it and they just built it and we built an app um that looked at this back-end database very very basic sql database um and then we tested it so we gave it to some long-hole drillers put some data in gave it to long-hole drillers to test um and they loved it so that the long-hole drillers loved it in fact when i took it off them they complained they said i want to use it again because it's so easy to use so that's initially when i thought that this has got legs you know this is this could be something so what year was this when well Put a time frame that on it. would have been 20 so when it first came up the idea it was 2013 yeah. and would have been by the time we got the test it would have been 2016 yeah. so quite a while yeah i can't believe that's nine years ago yeah when the idea that's yeah that has flown i'm sure it probably doesn't feel like it's flown <laughs> yeah it's, there's a lot of work that's going into it yeah you know, to actually take an idea that's in your head to to get it out and then get it into um build some tech um which is tangible you know this is actually real i've got this idea in my head now we've, we can see it it's in my hands and then the next big thing is getting somebody to pay for it because mm. until that time it's just a harebrained idea um so when when we had our first client which was in saudi um and somebody paid for that um product that we'd built from an idea it was a massive moment it was like very emotional moment for me personally it it, all the work that we'd done and you know all the people that had said that this is never going to work <clears throat> all the all the naysayers then we could start to actually get some revenue start building the 
building the product better. But those early adopters, you know, like as a tech company, you're so grateful for those early adopters, mate, because you know, without them, you, you just the product wouldn't be where it is today because they knew, they took it on knowing that the product wasn't perfect. But they there was going to be problems and they were going to help us build it out. So how valuable is that? And that's all that all stems from having a good relationship with clients, being upfront, just saying this isn't perfect. There's, you know, there's a few bugs. We know there's going to be issues, but let's just test it and build it together and we can complete it. And that's what we've done. That vision for the company where we work with our clients as partners is still exists today and is a big part of our success as well. So it's never about being a you know traditional vendor client relationship. It's always been a bit, been a partnership to us where, you know, if they want something different, we can help, you know, we'll build that and they can help us design it. And we will always engage our um, all our clients in or or our partners in any new tech we build. We ask them what what would you like to see next? That that's a you know, we we'll do a survey, what would you like to see next? And that sort of guides our product pipeline. Yep. I wanna just go back a little bit. To the business, the in, the development journey of it all, yeah, to where to, to to where that first invoice was paid, yeah. Um, you said you were talking to other software companies like yep. clients, and ended up at BJ. Yeah, if one of them were they mining related companies at all, yeah, yeah. So, but do you think it it all the stars aligned in a way that you ended up with? teaming up with Amps and BJ, the fact of his, like, you know, the technical side and the network, it just, yeah. do you think it would have been as successful if you didn't have that partnership, if you ended up elsewhere? It's hard to say. an integral part of what Live Mind's done? Yeah, it, it's hard to say, but I, look, I really don't think so. Like, you know, the relationship that, that we have together and the network that we have together, we, you know, it does, we do share a lot of people, a lot of our network, but also he's, you know, he's got a lot of people that, that I don't know in the tech side of things. You know, there's a lot of people in the, in the underground mining side of things that people that he doesn't know as well. So, you know, we do come together well and, and we do cover a lot of ground with, with our network. So from that, in that 2013 to <coughs> 2016 period, the naysayers, what were they saying? And who, not, not who were they, but what, where were they? Were they from all levels within mining? What was take us through that? Yeah, they, they definitely were. There was, you know, they're all sort of corporate slash, you know, senior mining management people. Um, there wasn't a lot. There was sort of three or four, but they, you know, they were just saying that this this won't work, and there's there's no business in this, and someone else will do it quicker, or someone else will be able to do it better. Um, those types of things really just. It's always going to happen, mate. When you when you come up with an idea and you you know you want to branch out on your own and do something different, then people are always going to to try and knock you down. What well, and did you start believing it ever? No, no, I didn't. Believe, I didn't listen to them. Never, never listened to them. But it's, sometimes it can be really hard to quiet the voice in your own head. You know, it's a, such a roller coaster. You you start to think, um, why am I doing this? You know, this product. I don't know if it's going to work. And you just you have all these thoughts and you know it's just holding tight and, and just sticking to your values and know that you're doing the right thing and and trying to you know tell yourself that you're on the right path and and it, it just eventually all comes together with if you're willing to work hard enough and you've got passion for what you do like i love the mining industry i'm passionate about the mining industry and and to me to be able to you know build technology in the industry that i love and help make some changes that's you know 
it is actually a dream for me and I've, I come to work every day and I feel fortunate that I work with the people that I work with. We've got a, we've built such a um, strong team here. They're very highly skilled, talented, all very young as well. Um, I just, yeah, I really, really enjoy it. It's really fulfilling to me. And what, what's it like to having to develop a product like this where you have to develop a product, finalise it, and before you can make any money? Like you got to put, or I'd hate to think how much money had to go into the business and the project before that first invoice is paid. What's that like with, I guess, risk, risk, stress, everything, and you give up points? It's, yeah, I mean, it's everything you try that's new, it's going to be a risk and tech companies are upfront. So, you know, you, a lot of your capital is, is invested upfront in building your product. But once your product's built, um, I mean, the horizon of building out that product never comes. You always look to improve it. But, you know, once the bones of it's built and you've got something that, that works, you know, you can build it once, ship it a thousand times if you want. So, mm. but, yeah, the upfront um, costs in building, it was, it was always a bit scary. But sometimes you just got to back yourself, you know, you just got to believe in yourself, back yourself and, and basically just roll your sleeves up and have a crack. So how'd you have a crack? Did you sell everything? I've got this much cash. I'm going to see if I can make this thing. How did you do it personally? I had to make a decision. Um, at the time, I was really going through a bit of a hard hard patch in my life and I, at that time. And, um, you know, I've been pretty, you know, I've spoken about it publicly, about the issues that I went through, about, you know, um, in, in sort of 2016, 2017. And I was at a, at a turning point in my life where I thought that if I never have a go, if I don't do this now, then I'm never going to do it. So it's either have a crack or just be ever thinking about it and, and, and wondering whether I could have made it work. So I just had to rip that Band-Aid off and I just had to have a crack, mate. Yep. And any give up points? As in, did I give up? Did or? you think, were you close at any point when you think you're with nice, the little naysayers and nah, everything? No, nah, there was no no point where I, I considered backtracking and, and, you know, going back and, and finding a job. There was no point. Um, we've been very fortunate. Our timing's been right as well. So if your timing's not right, then, you know, you could have a great product and that's not going to work. So our timing has been perfect and people know now that, you know, if, if they're recording data on a pen and, on pen and paper, you know, they spend millions of dollars on machinery, um, millions of dollars each year, each operation on wages, and how do they collect the data that, you know, the people in the machines are doing? They get somebody to write it down on a bit of paper and then hand it in, and then somebody's got to type that into a database. Like, that seems so archaic, and it, it just we know it just doesn't work. You know, the data coming from prods is generally rubbish so you know our timing is right so what was your first product so around that 2016 onwards period what 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 did live mine look like it's it's evolved a lot and we're going to go and do yep. a bit of a demo later but what was your first saleable item that you had yeah but so live mine v1 was a very basic basic version um but you know basic works and, and it did work. It, it wasn't perfect, but it worked and it made things easier for, to collect data. So, um, you know, we built the f four core modules, which is, you know, jumbo, long haul, um, load and haul. And that was that was the suite of modules we had. And now, you know, we're up to sort of 12 modules now and, and, and keep building out um, every quarter, really. 
So it was just a very, very basic four core modules and that's what people want. People wanted to collect the data from for tons of meters. Yep. So, and who, what was your target at the start? Did you ever think you'd be able to fully supply some of the biggest, the biggest mining contractors, underground mining contractors in Australia? Was that your target at the start? Or did you think that was possibly out of reach? Every mine in Australia was our target at the start. So yeah. anyone, we're just looking for anyone who to take it on and to give us give us a go and, you know, like I said, just to help build out that product. So um, we didn't actually have a, have a, a dead set target, but, you know, the, the contractors are, have been, you know, they are a big portion of our business in terms of mine sites. We've got um, 37 operations we've implemented on over the last four years. And you know most of those are, are from contractors. And how, how did the the software, the tablet, evolve? How did live more? What what bits started getting added on to your that basic four modules that you started with on V one? Yeah, so with V one, we we built it on some technology that we at that stage you don't know what you don't know, and we built it on some technology that wasn't scalable. So and we kept adding um, features to it, and it just the tech wasn't handling the features. So. That was a, a moment when we had to decide whether we're going to keep battling on with this or we're going to stop, stop sales for a year, in which we did, and build another version. Um, oh, so that's massive, a big, that's massive a decision. Big decision, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, Cutting your losses. Yeah. So we we did that, and we you know we pivoted. Um, we put everything into the, building this latest version, um, and we built it in collaboration with with our early adopters as well. They were fully aware of what was going on. We've been transparent the whole way. Um, and this, you know, this software that we built it on is, is more modern. It works better. It's fully scalable. Um, you know, we, we haven't even reached its limits yet at all. And this is, I assume there's some big tech jargon behind this that I would not understand, but is that the, I guess, the back end, the coding and all that, the how it's developed? Is that what you're talking about that had to change? Yeah, so the actual type of code, so what it, what it's written in, so it's a SQL database, but what it's actually wrapped in the framework. Um, so I won't get right into it because I'll be just talking rubbish. But. <laughs> you, you're a fool, mate. Don't worry, mate. Like, we, you and I are good at slapping up sheets yeah. of mesh and boring cuts. Yeah. So we'll leave that to the coders, I think. Um, so what was the what was the adoption speed like from? Um, I guess the big the big people the big clients that you got now was there I guess a bit of was it, did they want it quickly or was it a bit of pushback because it was it's new it's different there most people don't like change yeah. how quick did it sort of get taken up yeah so our first year we only had one implementation um, but towards the end of that year it was um, 2018 we started you know started getting some more and one signed a new client who who we did. Uh, six implementations with which you know was really good uh, but it was slow it's a it's a it's always a slow burn it's always a lot slower than you think so one implementation that means a site one a one, one site, site. Yeah, yeah yeah but yeah like i said the slow the burn's always a bit slower than, you, than you'd like um, but people are because it was new tech and at that stage nobody was doing what we were doing so mm. it's just you know testing the theory really on site and making sure that everyone everybody's going to be able to use it underground operators are going to be able to use it Shift bosses are going to be able to log in easily, review the data, edit it if they need to, and then approve it. Um, so there's a little bit of trial and error and, and 
Um, they, you know, they, our early adopters did stick to their guns and, and made it work, and and here we are now. Now, and we'll talk about now where it's evolved to. Now, when did you see? Because um, what version are you up to now? What the we call it V three. So V three. Yep. So V three. We're going to the whole shift boss shift planning side of things. Like yep. essentially, it's bloody uh, holistic underground mining app yep. now. It's yep. doing everything. When yep. did? How did that? When did you decide? Right, we've got to encompass all the shift planning, everything. Yep. Has that just been gradual bits at a time, um, adding a module at a time, or when did when did the shift planning side come? Yeah, so we've always had shift planning uh, in the roadmap, in the product roadmap. Um, and what the shift planning was was about um, first thing was closing that loop. Was so you know the the tablets looking at the database, um, the operators adjust their data in the tablet. The tablet sends that t data back to the database, and then the shift bosses approve it. But we don't actually have that. We didn't close the loop in terms of planning. So the shift bosses plan the the shift inside the uh, back end. So in, inside LiveMind. So going away from Excel, click and drag, plan the shift inside. Or whiteboards. Yeah, yeah they're, or still, whiteboards. they're still around. Yeah. Um, plan the shift, and then they send the task to the tablet. So you know, once they've planned the shift. I'll log in, but O'Shaughnessy, you've got five tasks for the day. There they are. So it automates some of that data entry, goes through the workflow where I can do my pre-start, all the rest of it, and then I can start ticking off my jobs for the shift. So was the shift planning side of things, the shift boss, was that sort of the last, as you said, that last link in the loop in a way that you can now pretty much control the, essentially the whole underground mining cycle from the live mine app? That's right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we can, and we've built it. I mean, we feel like the shift planning module was was going to be tricky. We knew it was, and I mean, we 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 spent a long time building it and planning it, and we built that in collaboration with our clients as well, um, because we wanted to be able to be easier than doing a um, Excel spreadsheet thing, you know that, that gets broken. We wanted it to be quicker, so the shift bosses can you know essentially be spending more time underground. Um, we wanted it to be clearer of what everyone's got to do for the shift. Um, and we build it in stages. So the first stage is, is completed. The second stage will be short interval control. So, you know, once we get some reliable connectivity underground, we'll, we'll finish building out the second second phase of it. So, uh, the shift bosses will be able to be underground on their tablet, um, produce a new task for a jumbo operator or any anyone underground and just send it to their tablet and they'll get a notification saying you have a new task accept that task instead of calling up on the radio so it's just man managing the shift via the tablet yep now where's i guess the data side of things at at the moment with underground backbones the whole you know 4g underground data versus surface because at the moment i assume you've got to take the ipads up to the sorry the tablets up to the surface to yep. sync back to the main server or however you term it but that can that be done underground yet or only at places that have some form of underground data yeah there's a few that have um hotspots or they might have um you know a tower or something at the portal where you can get live trucking data but we're not quite there yet, but there's you know there's some companies that are spending a lot of time and a lot of money on 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 this actual space, and it's we're only sort of you know one to two years away from actually having some reliable data connectivity underground. That's that's going to be a game changer for LiveMind as well. So, like I said, be able to do that short end for control, um, 
you know, just being able to get all the live data from the mine. So you can have a dashboard up in the muster room or in corporate office and they can see in real time, you know, what's going on on site because that data will be coming into a, you can come into live mine or you can just connect that up to a any sort of dashboard, Power BI or the likes. And how's that data going to be done underground? What's what's looking like the most feasible and likely option? Is it is it fibre? Is it four G? Is it through Lakey feeder? What's it? Where's that all Dep- heading? Depends who you talk to, but you know the, the guys. So that I, it's not known yet. No, nah, the guys who I talk to think that it's it's definitely fibre, but yep. I, I don't really know, mate. It's not really my space to to comment on just at the moment. Yeah. Unless you buy a fibre company, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate. Great overview. So, how do people get in touch? It's pretty obvious, live mine website, but yep. um, and you'll be buds. Uh, buds a regular appearance at all uh, award ceremonies at the moment. <laughs> I see you won an award, won yeah. on a pretty prestigious award. Before we sum it up, tell us about that one, mate. Yeah, so you know, we just recently won uh, the the Pinnacle Awards for Innovation Excellence, and it was it was such an honour to. Um, we don't need it, but we, we to get some external validations from from outside the mining industry to tell us, you know, that we're on the right path, that we're doing good things, that you know people are taking notice. It was, you know, it's good for the, the for the business, but it's also massive for the for the live mine team to be able to, you know, get that pat on the back because everyone contributes and you know they they're so passionate about what they do and you know they work hard and we've created such a a good environment here and a culture for where people can, you know push the boundaries because that's what we're doing here. We push the boundaries every day and if they make mistakes, then we don't call it a mistake. We just learn from it and we, we you know, we pivot and, and start again and move forward. So it was it was big for the, for the company and, and you know, obviously for me too, I, I really enjoyed it because this is what I'm passionate about. I love doing this and, to, you know, to get some recognition is good. Is it a bit different when you're, like, you know, foreman or shift positive? with the uh, underground mining folk with full sleep tats and now coming in to be a leader of software engineers and developers. It is a bit of a different vibe. You've got to tone down the, the profanity and everything a bit. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I do I do take the team up to site so they can actually, you know, get a feel for what happens on site, talk to the shift bosses, I take them underground, they can talk to the talk to the operators. It, it's it's invaluable experience for them. But, look, they're, they're still people. Um, you, you don't have to don't have to sort of manage with such a iron fist obviously but you know these people are all really highly skilled professionals as i said so they they don't take a lot of motivating to to get their job done they're all just stoked to get here every day not that the underground guys aren't either or guys and girls but um there's definitely a difference in in sort of managing tech people than um underground miners but it's 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 much the same mate yep for mine sites that do not have live mine, that have seen this and um, are very interested in what it's all about and know more info, where is the best place to head for them? It's definitely our website. I mean, you can check out our socials on um, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. But our website, go over there, you get a good overview of what, what's going on, what the product is and there's some, yeah, there's, you can contact us via the website and we'll, we'll get straight back to you. But um, yeah, these days everyone's pretty pretty visible and pretty easy to get hold of, mate. And make sure if you do go to the contact form, chuck in after watching your Life of Mine episode, Bud will take me out to lunch, he reckons. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks for that, mate. I want to now for go do a bit of a live demo of the your new shift planning module. Yeah. Shift boss. We're going to do it on the touchscreen. We're going to video it. 
no point putting it on this podcast. So if people want to watch that, head over to the Life of Mine YouTube channel and it will be there. And it will show you exactly visually this whole fantastic product that we've been talking about. So pressure's on, mate. Sounds good. Pressure's on. It better work. <laughs> it does. <laughs> good on you, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Matty. And uh, good to bloody, um, yeah, so it's, it's unreal here. We've both ended up in very different places yeah. after uh, our first meeting 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Thanks very much for having me here. No worries. Thanks, mate. Good on you, mate.